Some of the topics in this episode are graphic in nature and may be disturbing to some listeners, especially children. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, it's Marisol Nichols, and I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this episode, the Nazarene Fund. Knowing no borders, the Nazarene Fund is a humanitarian organization whose mission is to liberate the captive, free the enslaved, and to rescue, rebuild, and restore lives. To find out more, please visit thenazarenefund.org. Thank you, Nazarene Fund, for all that you do to help those in need. Everyone, welcome back to the part two of our episode on the Nazarene Fund. We're here with Rudy, who's the Chief of Operations for the Nazarene Fund. And just to refresh our memory, the Nazarene Fund operates in, um, let me know if I forget anything, but Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, West Africa. Are there any other countries that I'm forgetting? Pakistan. Uh, we're Pakistan. Yeah. Pakistan. And always growing, always looking for, I mean, this evil and all that we're fighting has a way to find its way everywhere, right? So we're constantly on the hunt and we'll follow it wherever it goes. Thank you. So last we spoke, Rudy, you were taking us through essentially Afghanistan and the nightmare yeah. that was left after the U.S. pulled out. I think we all learned a ton from that first episode. And again, thank you, Rudy, for joining us from the Nazarene Fund. Thank you for everything you guys are doing. I'd like to talk a little bit about Africa. Yeah. Can you sort of explain what the Nazarene Fund is doing in Africa, how it got there and what its following is? So from my background, I've spent, I lived in Africa. I lived in West Africa. I lived in East Africa and I lived in the Middle East. So I've lived in three regions and I bounced around different parts of Africa. When I was in the military at one point, I was the counterterrorism director, counterterrorism operations in Africa under Donald Rumsfeld and later on Robert Gates, two secretaries of mm. defense. So I worked for both of them, working counterterrorism operations across different countries. Africa is a large continent. It's three and a half times the size of the United States with 54 countries. Oftentimes, mm. people don't understand that the continent is that vast and that huge. In West Africa, there have been a lot of activities of radical groups like uh, Boko Haram in Nigeria, ISWAP, so ISIS in West Africa, and Al-Qaeda and Islamic Maghreb. So you have various, various groups. Wow. They've been very functional, very operational. They've gone after Western targets to include Americans, kidnappings, bombings, whatnot. And in places like Nigeria, in places like Benin, Togo, in places like Cameroon, you have markets. And because the population densities are fairly high in some of these countries, poverty is rampant. So you get a people being recruited on the extremist side in some countries, but in other sides, you have also organized criminal networks that are highly functional. And because people don't have means of making money, they turn to criminal networks essentially to try to make money and to grow criminal enterprises. In certain cases, one commodity that is very prevalent because the birth rates are very high are children. And children become a commodity, as Tim correctly pointed out, for ritual killings because of societies like what we call the Poro Society in West Africa. It's part of animism. So what I mean by animism is it's not Christian-based, it's not Muslim-based, it's not Buddhist-based, but it's essentially believing in you know nature elements, voodoo-type 
belief system which incorporates almost everything. In fact, the whole basis for voodoo in the Americas originated in West Africa. So this goes back mm. centuries back. And what they do within those animism or animism type beliefs is sometimes they use human body parts in order to gain power. So whether it's killing somebody and eating the inside palm of their hand or their heart for power, for strength, you know, those types of ritual killings are very common. It's not talked about a lot, but spiritists do exist. In fact, Togo has the largest, the largest market for this type of stuff in the world. You can literally land in the capital in Lome and you can go drive a couple miles outside of the city and then you can go right to one of the largest markets for that and you'll find human body parts, animal parts, and you can pay a spiritist. We call them witch doctors, but they don't like to be called that. Spiritist to do whatever incantation you want with whatever it is for whatever you're looking for. And essentially, wow. you see that across parts of West Africa. So, so children become a victim. They become victims not only for that, but organ harvesting, which is also lucrative. It's not only hearts, but also kidneys and other things, but also for sexual exploitation. And oftentimes, many of the children will be trafficked outside of West Africa, and they end up in Western countries. Germany used to be a very large consumer of West African babies mm. and girls, mainly Nigeria. They end up in Western countries. Our focus is to go in and to shut down not only these networks, but also stop the what Tim called the, the baby factories. And it's true that these baby factories do exist because we have footage of that. What they do is oftentimes they'll find a young lady. If the young lady is not born with you know mental deficiencies, what they will do is they will smack her on the back of the head with metal or pipe, put her into a vegetative state to where her brain is dead, but her body's still functioning. They keep her on life support. They impregnate her, have the baby, and then use the baby for sale. Or they have parents that are so desperate for money that they will sell their children in hopes of making enough money in order to make ends meet. And these are the types wow. of individuals that we have to deal with. So far, we've shut down two baby factories. In our last rescue, we rescued over 11 girls that were pregnant, all ages between 17 to 21. We rescued over 20 children that were going to be sold on the black market. And we've expanded or we're expanding our operations. Now, because in some countries, it's very difficult to work with law enforcement because sometimes law enforcement is involved in taking bribery mm -hmm. or money because a lot of these criminal networks have enough money to where they can buy their way through anything. So what we've done is we've trained offshoots of individuals that are still within the law enforcement system. We vet them, we train them, we give them the equipment, we sit side by side with them, and then we help them through the planning phase of going after these bad guys to put them in jail and then make sure that whatever jail they go to, they don't come out. Because again, right. judges can be bribed and whatnot. In some countries, they have different states and we know which judges are good, which judges are corrupt, which police chiefs are corrupt and which chiefs are not. So we kind of pick our way through and we develop those types of strategies in order to be effective in the long term. Wow.
you're going to see during this operation, we got footage, these traffickers en route with plastic bags. You think they're leaving the grocery store. Right. Our guys stop them and an infant emerges from the bottom of the plastic bag. I think you showed me this. Can we show that? Yeah. I apologize if I'm throwing a lot at you. No, I actually, I'm learning stuff. Like, I don't want to pretend here like I know any of this stuff. I'm learning so much stuff. I had an inkling, an inkling of what was going on there. But if you would have told me that there were spiritists or witch doctors in this day and age doing this now in present time with babies, I would have said, absolutely not. This is something that happened, you know, hundreds of years ago. This doesn't exist now. Oh, Baby factors exists. I knew about because we've talked about that in Mexico before. and We were going to do something with that. But people definitely don't know <laughs> that this is happening right now. And I think by now, if our audience is tracking with the first episode and this episode, they understand why that there you have a sister organization called the Nazarene Fund that does this other type of work. Correct. It's phenomenal. And I understand why they're separate. It makes complete sense. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You said babies sold on the black market. The only reason I know about that, which I don't even think you know, but when I found my biological father, I didn't find, find him until, I don't know, like, eight years ago, nine years ago or something like that. And I found out that I had uh, three brothers and one of them was in Israel. Mm. And I was like, how are you in Israel? And he's like, I was, he was sold on the black market as a baby. Wow. This is like yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine now, and now I understand why this is such a lucrative, lucrative business. Well, it's more lucrative today, I think, than ever before. And the reason why is often a lot of times married couple, because of social pressures, married couples don't want to have children immediately. They want to save up money. So they end up having children later on in life. And sometimes when they wait so long, they cannot conceive. So many turn right. to adoption. And so adoption agencies pop up left and right. And then all of a sudden now it becomes more of a business to where people right. say, well, I want some, I want a child from Senegal or I want a child from Germany or I want to... And right. there's a market for that. And it's growing and right. growing and growing. And it has not slowed down. And now, you know, criminal enterprises are really focused in this area because, I mean, you know, Tim can talk about this ad nauseum, but he sees it coming across the border from, you know, our border from Mexico into the United States. And this is just very, very prevalent. And oftentimes I'm always asked, like, why do you focus on West Africa or why do you focus on the Middle East or whatever? Like, well, because yeah. if I don't, they'll end up in our country sooner or later, somehow, you know, so why not go to the root of where the issues are and try to stem them there? And at the same time, try to develop a capability in country for some of these, you know, to prevent this type of stuff and then try to grow it. That way, we're all working collectively together for the common good of helping right. as many people as possible. And I want to point out that the common denominator between these two organizations is at the heart of this. This is still children. We're still talking about children here. Women um, and children. I try to no. end mm -hmm. women and children. I try to end each episode on some sort of what can you do? What can we do? How can we help? Because I never want to overwhelm an audience so much where they're like, that was horrible. And then they can't do anything about it. So between the two of you, what does the Nazarene Fund need? How can the average person, if they can, help or look out for? Well, these things are happening everywhere. We go where we can get kind of 
the biggest bang for our buck. Mm -hmm. But we want to expand. You know, we want to be in every region, every continent. We want to work in Europe. Mm. You know, I'll give you a reason why. Please. There was a case not long ago, and we have footage of all this, you can show this, where we helped a 25-year-old girl who ended up in America and didn't know where she came from. She was passed around, foster care, mm. different families, and finally discovered what happened to her. She was born in Romania. She's Romanian, mm. a gypsy family who has very little standing in the, in the community. And there's no recourse if something, if some crime happens to them. So the mother, it was her fifth baby 25 years ago. And she had this baby and they said, oh, the baby has to have a health check. There's something wrong. There was nothing wrong. Right. Took the baby away. This is in a hospital in Romania. You can't afford to stay here. You come back in a couple of days and we'll give your baby to you healthy. So they come back a few days later. Oh, your baby died. Oof. And the mother knew intuitively, no, my baby didn't die. Right. Where's my baby? And they said she's dead. They went to the law enforcement because no one would listen to them. The doctor reports that the baby died and the body was, you know, cremated. That was it. For 25 years, they're praying and believing their daughter's alive somewhere. Right. 25 years later, they get a phone call. We have your daughter and we want, do you want to meet her? And we took her, the family had migrated at that time to Italy. And there were farmers, very, very, very poor migrant farmers, farmers in Italy. And we took their 25-year-old daughter and they met for the first time. I mean, it was the most, I mean, that mother grabbed her like she knew her forever. And, and they were waiting to see her again someday. Oh. And we reunited a family 25 years later. And that's what makes it worth it. Like, we'll never stop. You know, these people that were kidnapped in 2014, 2015, Rudy just sent me a report two weeks ago. They found this woman and we'll never stop. It can be two, three, 20 years, but there's that much work to do. And we can only go as fast as the resources come in. Right. Yeah. So the main thing that I think that you're saying also is that, look, we need people to go to the Nazarene Fund, learn more about what you're doing, donate to the Nazarene Fund and help in any way they can. Yes. Very good. Is there anything else you want to add before I sign us off of this episode? We're trying to expand in West Africa. There's the demand is is very massive. We're right. also trying to continue our work in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Syria. Those are difficult areas to operate in. And, you know, we are just literally focused on those victims right now that have nobody. They literally have nobody to help them. And we're trying to build uh, surrogate teams on the grounds that can continue the work no matter whether we're there or not. But it takes time to do the training. It takes time to filter through the corruption. But our rescues are ongoing. I mean, we have, Tim will tell you, we have so many stories right now in the pipeline. I mean, we can literally put one out every single day and, and never, I mean, 365 days a year and it's constant. That's how much work wow. we got going on. But yeah, any donations, any support, prayers, greatly welcomed and we're honored to be i'm honored to be on your show and thank you so much for your time moody thank you so much for joining us i think our audience got an incredible incredible education and look into what you you guys are doing thank you so so much thank you